Hello, everyone, and welcome to Police Off the Cuff, Real Crime Stories. I'm your host, Bill Cannon. I'm a retired 27-year veteran of the NYPD, from a sergeant from Manhattan North Homicide Squad. And with me today is my co-host, retired NYP detective Phil Grimaldi, straight out of Brooklyn. Here he is, Phil. How you doing today? Pretty good, Bill. Excited to uh, dig into this, uh, some latest developments on this case of this uh, young lady that's missing. Well, we're going to get into it. Uh, just folks, um, if you like podcasts from a police perspective, real crime episodes from people that have been there, have we can talk the talk, but we can also, we have walked the walk, then you're in the right place. If you haven't subscribed to Police Off the Cuff, please Go on our YouTube, hit the subscribe button, give us a thumbs up, ring that bell. And we also have a Patreon where you can support us. That's uh, patreon.policeoffthecuffpatreon.com. We also now have channel members uh, who are members of our channel who get special, um, some special stuff from the Police Off the Cuff people. And we, we would love you to join our channel. And uh, we're growing every day. And we have some real exciting shows coming up. And not to belabor that, but I want to get right into this case. Um, Gabby Petito, this case has caught the imagination of the entire nation. And everyone wants to know what happened to Gabby. And, and we want to know that too. And we're going to just update you on some of the things. And Phil came up with something very interesting uh, that occurred very recently. He's going to talk about it right now. Yeah, Bill. Uh, apparently on August 18th of this year, uh, right around the time that uh, Gabby and Brian were involved in that dispute where the police were uh, called and interacted with them, which was on the 12th of August, in that same area, not far away, there was a double homicide of Michelle Turner, uh, who I believe is 38 years old, and Kyleen Carroll Schlute. Uh, I don't know her age, but uh, they were a couple. They were recently married, and uh, they were uh, they were killed. And um, the way that they found out that they were missing, uh, neither one of them showed up for work, and obviously uh, some phone calls were made, and they were found dead of uh, gunshot wounds, I believe. Um, however, there is no direct connection to um, Gabby's disappearance, but the police are looking into, I guess they, they might be a little stumped on the uh, motive and the investigation on that homicide. They, they Phil, never- I'm, I'm just going to add a quick video to the screen. Uh, we're going to check this out. And uh- Now, the site of a double murder. I think this is the first double homicide we've ever had. People want answers. It's hard knowing that we can't figure anything out and we can't find these people that did it to them. What happened to Kylan Schulte and Crystal Turner? We're hoping... Um, there's lots of transparency with the with our local officials. That's our biggest concern right now. Grand County Sheriff Stephen White says they have brought in the FBI and State Bureau of Investigation to help. Everything is being done that we can possibly do. That's why we've asked for the additional resources. We want to make sure that we do this thorough, we do it complete, and we do it right. He says deputies are working extra hours, extra shifts. We're not taking anything off the table. We're investigating this at every possible avenue for every possible thing. Everyone in this scenic town is searching for answers. If you're scared or anything or know anything, just come forward because they deserve it. They deserve justice no matter what. The sheriff says they have received a lot of tips, but they are hoping people will continue to call in as this investigation is ongoing. In Moab, Sydney Glenn, Fox 13 News. Coincidence or is it connected? 
Well, here's the thing. They, uh, I don't know the location of where they were actually found, but I believe that it had something to do with a campsite or something to that effect. And there was talk that they maybe were concerned about uh, someone in and around the campsite. So uh, it looked like Gabby and uh, Brian were traveling and, and stopped in locations, stuff like that. So I guess it definitely warrants a look at law enforcement to see if there's a connection since these things both happen. And with the behavior of Brian, since the uh, incident took place, uh, being totally uncooperative, going back home to Florida, acting like nothing ever happened uh, with uh, Gabby's vehicle. Uh, you know, so the, the sus suspicion is obviously pointed directly at him with regards to her disappearance and possibly uh, there could be some connection to this homicide. Earlier today, I saw some, I've been really monitoring the news uh, for the last few days on this case. And there was the, uh, the uh, Northport police, uh, police information officer. They called him a PIO, a public, I'm sorry, public information officer gave some information and said that in the last 24 hours, they have made some progress uh, regarding the missing person investigate missing persons investigation they said we are not close to finding out exactly what happened just yet but we did make a lot of progress in in 24 hours i think that that's a hopeful sign that maybe there was some forensic evidence recovered regarding the van or perhaps cell phone uh, evidence that could be pertinent to uh, the investigation. I think that with the fact that he came back to Florida, uh, he traveled from probably Utah or somewhere in the Midwest of the country. So there's going to be stops for gas, stops for food that they could look at credit card receipts. And in these locations, it's only been a couple of weeks. Most video systems will go back 30 days. They can look at these things to see if she was present with them, let's say getting gas or stopped for food or something like that. And then the period of time towards the end of the month when we believe she may not have been with him in his travel back to Florida. You know, Phil, I want to mention uh, that always comes up in these cases like this is that the term person of interest. And it's so logical, of course, that Brian Laundrie is a person of interest because he was the last person seen with Gabby. He's her fiance. They shared the van together. His behavior at, at present is quite suspect in lawyering up and refusing to talk to the authorities. That is what a person of interest is. Now, it's up to law enforcement to get the evidence necessary to um, either produce evidence against him that they can charge him criminally or come up with what happened to Gabby Petito. Well, I think that if they look at her credit card, let's say, or if they look at her cell phone, now, I'm sure if they believe she was last spotted with him, let's say August 25th or somewhere thereabouts, I believe that there was a, there was a text message to the mom from her cell phone on the 30th where he claimed that there was no cell service and they were in, in California at a national park. So now they believe and the family strongly believes, I'm sure law enforcement is in agreement with them, that that probably wasn't her making that text message. So now you have a crucial timestamp, the 30th. So now if, if, her, if he has her credit card and he's using it 
that in that period of time, there's a possibility that they could say, we believe she didn't give him authorization to use a card and now get him in, in into lockup for a, a grand larceny charge on a credit card. I'm not sure if we could pull that off just yet. Maybe there's more uh, possible ways to, to uh, figure out time frames for the credit cards, the cell phones, all the different uh, investigative techniques that I'm sure are being used. Um, you know, we read out last night that the FBI is involved in this case. We read out the phone number. So I'm sure that there's a major, major full court press on this investigation. And they're going to do whatever they can do through the federal government, the local government, to try and lock this guy in to make him uh, come forward and give us uh, some kind of uh, explanation as to what was the last time he saw her, what was the last time that they were together what her, uh, uh, you know, what were her intentions if, if she left him or something, he's got to give us something and his family, I'm, I'm really imploring the family. I know his sister gave a press conference earlier today or talked to a reporter and said, Oh, we're looking for the safe return. Nonsense. Your brother needs to come forward and tell us what he knows about her disappearance. The family has to push him. They got to, well, uh, you know, I just want to show, I want to show this video because a lot of people are asking, why can't law enforcement force him to talk? And this is a this is a, a well-known attorney uh, in the New York area who's going to comment on that. In Florida on September 1st with the van, but without her. Police have named him a person of interest. I'm joined by attorney Ron Kuby. Ron, you know, the layperson would say, grab that guy by the throat and shake it out of him. Make him answer where is she and why did you return home alone? Why is that not necessarily something you can really do? Well, you're not allowed to grab people by the throat and beat them until they talk. Um, I don't need to give a big history, I think, of why you can't grab people by the throat and beat them until they talk. Uh, suffice it to say, that's nothing that the police Ron, nor private citizens You know it's a figure of speech. What I'm asking you is why can't they compel him to try to help find a missing woman? Why can't they say, Brian, you've got to tell us why you came home alone and where you last saw her? Why can't they do that? Well, they certainly can tell him that. They, they can't enforce that. You can't be compelled to incriminate yourself. You can't be compelled to speak if you choose not to speak. I mean, that's not a liberal technicality, actually. That's kind of a basic principle of American law going back hundreds of years. So let me play this moment uh, from the body cam video um, of the last known video that we have of her, and it's very distressing. She and Brian have been involved in some kind of a domestic altercation. A witness calls the police. They catch up with them down the road. And then this is what they, this is what they capture on the body cam. And I want to take special note about how tender the police officer is in how he's asking Gabby a question. Take a look. Gabby, this is a very, very important question. How you answer this question is going to determine what happens next. But the only person who can answer this question is you. Think very hard before you answer the question. Do not quickly answer it. Think very hard. When you slapped him those times, were you attempting to cause him physical pain or physical impairment? Was that what you were attempting to do? What were, you, what were you attempting to do? 
what was the reason behind the slapping and stuff? What was what was it you were attempting to accomplish by slapping? I was trying to get him to stop talking. What doesn't sound to me like she attempted to injure him? So many questions were just answered there. People are asking us, why can't the police compel him to talk? And I think that uh, Ron Kuby, uh, basically uh, the uh, left-wing attorney from New York, uh, answered that pretty well. And the other thing is, I think that in, in looking at the body cam video numerous times, I really think that you can, you know, you can criticize the police, oh, they should have done something, but Tell you the truth, I think they did a pretty good job. I think they did a pretty good job of investigating this. They can't predict. Uh, I mean, was was the law broken? What he was trying to get her to say was, or not to say, was, uh, yeah, no, I didn't mean to cause him physical injury, because that would be the definition of assault. Intend physical injury, cause physical injury. That's the first way uh, there can be an assault, third degree. So, she didn't. She said, "No, I didn't intend to do that. I intended to do this." And he was satisfied with that answer. And based on that answer, she wasn't arrested. You know, Bill, that reporter really—I think she, her sentiment in the beginning of that segment about putting his hands around the throat of Brian. And there's been times I'd like to put my hands around the throat of Ron Kuby for representing some scumbags <laughs> in the past. I mean, yeah. I've met him a few times and I was working on a cop homicide once and, and he sent me a very nasty, uh, a very nasty fax regarding a client that we were looking for on a cop homicide, but that's a, a story for another day. But her sentiment about how, you know, you just want to grab him and shake it out of him and put your hands around his throat to tell us. Now there are, cases where you can actually use physical force if let's say in a kidnapping and you knew that there was a bomb strapped to uh let's say a, a child and it was going to go off in 30 minutes and you have the person that you know planted that bomb and that, that person has the information you can then by the law use physical force to get that person to tell you you know you, you have a time frame i mean that's a really outlandish set of circumstances but that's when you could possibly in a kidnapping and murder case kidnapping case you can use uh, things like tactics like that but in this case obviously i as much as i don't like ron kilby he pretty much explained it factually by the law you no, can't I'm listen I'm, I'm glad he did that because yeah. many people that watch youtube many people are in the chat they don't understand the law and he explained it pretty well that you know you're not required to incriminate yourself do we all think he has done something nefarious i think so but can we can we just like uh the journalist said grab him by the throat and shake it at him no we we can't do that and um Lieutenant Pete Pranzo, who's in the chat, says, you know, in, in domestic violence cases, you have to move very gingerly if you're law enforcement. And that, of course, is the truth. You have to cross your T's, dot your I's. But again, sometimes I've responded to hundreds and hundreds of domestic violence incidents, and I was the boss. And as you know, on, on any job, the buck stops with the boss. And I had to do it by the letter of the law. So when I saw a physical injury, a lot of times I would err on the side of making an arrest just because I didn't feel safe to walk away from something like that. Could the situation escalate, you know, trying to be a nice guy and not arrest anybody, but could the situation now escalate where one of the parties now 
uh, is murdered. And I'm not saying that happened, this incident, but that can happen in a domestic violence case. You know, Bill, uh, she the reporter mentioned something in there that I thought was very, very smart. She said, can't we compel him to help? And I think that we can compel him in legal ways. Now, the pressure is on in the media, 100%. Last night on the show, I said that I think that there should be uh, people protesting outside the house. That is also taking place. I'm very much in favor of that. This man needs to be compelled to cooperate and give us an idea one of the comments I read is that they need EquiSearch. It was from Redhead Sp uh, Spirit Hunter. Redhead Spirit Hunter says they need EquiSearch in their drones for that national park. Now, that is exactly the route that I was thinking of that we should take with this type of thing. However, the area is so vast. We need a more... Um, uh, a more tailored area to search in. The, the area is so great, uh, thousands of acres, that if Brian was to cooperate and say, well, the last time I saw her was in this area, and then Texas Equal Search, I'm sure, would be glad to get in there. Uh, Dave Rader and his people, uh, Tim Miller and his people, they would be glad to get in there with drones and searches and, and go to it. I mean, but we need, you know, you can't search a thousand acres in, in a short period of time. And if this girl is still alive out there and she's by herself and she's trying to, you know, make it uh, in the wilderness, time is of the essence. This guy really needs to cooperate. And I'm glad they should keep those protests going. Be out there every day. If you could, 24 hours a day, chanting in front of his house. If you need to get a permit to protest, do it. That's the pressure that needs to be kept up. The media is doing a great job. Everybody's on board. Even a guy like Ron Kuby, it looked like he, he gave us the legal definition. But I listen, in my heart of hearts, I would hope that he would be one of the people that would be wanting to put pressure on this guy, this scumbag that I called him yesterday, and I'll say it again, to cooperate. You know, folks, all, all you folks that are rooting, obviously, to find Gabby, just put in the chat where you're from, where you're from in this in this world, where you're from in this country. Just just put the state or the country you're from and put a little heart there for Gabby in the chat. You know, I, I just want to say something in regards to um, the, uh, the investigative techniques that the police are using. Now, they're moving methodically. And from what I've heard, they have over a thousand tips. And you know, Phil, from working major investigations, most tips are absolute nonsense. However, you have to check each and every one of those tips out to vet whether, in fact, it's true. Some of them, let's say a small percentage, 5%, 10%, uh, may be true. They could give, they start building that brick wall of the evidence you need to come upon to find Gabby or to come upon criminality and make an arrest and where he would. Uh, if we believe it is the bo the boyfriend Brian to bring him in and uh, have justice served. Yeah, a hundred percent, Bill. Listen, when it comes to tips, I know that there's over a thousand, but you know some of the tips that in my experience when I worked on cases, we had tip lines going. Uh, some of them you can look at them right from the bat and see, all right, this is a nonsense tip, and you could you could sort of have two 
piles of tips. You know, the investigation, we don't, we're not privy to it. We're not working on it. But there may be a direction that they're going in already. Now, if you get a tip that's going to pull you off of that and you really think that this, this road that you're going down in the investigation might be a positive one that, you you know, as you're going, more and more things are going in that direction. There's more, more information being developed. You're not going to let it sidetrack you. However, I'm not saying you wouldn't investigate them, but you'd have a separate team of investigators handle the most prioritized tips, the most one, the ones with the highest priority, that would be the ones that, you know, maybe uh, I gave someone a ride or something, I saw something, and you think that those things might be the ones that are most fruitful. Then you might have tips that say, you know, I'm a psychic living in Canada, and I believe, you know, those are the things that would get less of a priority. I'm not going to knock psychics. I don't really think that they're uh, very fruitful investigations, but you never know. So they would get definitely looked at, but they would be a lower priority than something. If somebody said uh, they described Brian to a T and said, I saw him in a rage in a supermarket or a gas station, and that's something that I would, uh, and they described the vehicle, let's say, that's something that I would give a higher priority to. You know, Phil, I'm just going to put this video on the screen also. This is about searching in that area, how, how difficult it could FBI be. FBI has a critical role in this because there are so many agencies working on this single case across the country, but they do have a lot of work cut out for them. Law enforcement experts say investigators looking for Gabby Petito have a lot working against them. They didn't know she was missing until two weeks after the 22-year-old was last seen in Salt Lake City. And the man who might know where she is isn't talking. Um, let's just be clear. He looks guilty as hell. While Brian Laundry is within his legal rights to stay quiet, former Salt Lake County Sheriff Jim Winder says it is detrimental to the investigation. This situation where Mr. Laundry has essentially clammed up uh, poses a problem uh, of uh, significance for law enforcement. If he continues uh, to take the, the tack that he does, uh, they're going to be in a real tough position. Yet Brian doesn't have to say anything to investigators. It's good advice, you know, and, and but again, depending on what side you're on, it's frustrating. With Brian refusing to talk, physical evidence becomes critical. Winder believes investigators are heavily focused on the digital footprint the couple left behind, especially cell phones. Until there is uh, some physical evidence to point in that direction. This thing can linger for a long time. With the case generating national attention, retired Unified Police Deputy Chief Chris Bertram says the spotlight is helping investigators make up for lost time. I think people that were in the area in the Tetons from say the 25th till the 30th, they're gonna be going back and searching their minds. They're gonna be searching their videos. They're gonna be looking at their pictures to see if there's anything there that helps them. Now, the FBI says there's no bit of information that is too small or too inconsequential. They're asking for anyone who may have seen Gabby or have pictures or video of her to let them know. Reporting live in Salt Lake City tonight. You know, one of the good points made in that is that the police had um, 10 days where she was missing that she wasn't reported missing. So starting behind the eight ball, it, it, it makes the case that much more difficult. 
Yeah, hundred percent, Bill. I I think you could feel the frustration from everyone, from that reporter on the last uh, uh, clip that you put up, talking about you know you just want to put your hands around his throat and shake it at him. Everybody is very frustrated. I've been checking my phone for some updates, and I just I I, I don't know if this is very active. It might have been the last hour or two, but it's from the Utah sheriff on a double homicide investigation. It says we are actively looking into any connection between the Gabby Petito missing person case and the double homicide that occurred in Grand County. I think we went over that earlier. That that looks to be a, a, a fairly uh, uh, recent uh, uh, press release from that uh, Utah sheriff. Um, you know, maybe I just want to put this phone number up. I know we did it yesterday. I was going to do it at the end of the show. I want to put it up now. There's a, there's a hotline, a Gabby Petito hotline. It's 800-225-5324. It's 800-225-5324. Five three two four, and then there's the eight hundred call FBI. Since the FBI is involved in this case, it's eight hundred call FBI. Anybody within the sound of our voices that has information, if you think it's pertinent and relative, please call. Give any information that you have. It will be kept confidential, obviously. And uh, listen, the frustration is growing. We want this kid found alive, hopefully with the help of God. And, uh, you know, time is of the essence. And, you know, whether or not they're involved in this other thing, this double homicide, uh, listen, let's just find her and let's get to the bottom of it. And, again, this kid Brian's family and Brian, uh, he's got to cooperate. There's no question about it. You know, there's also an, an unconfirmed report that Brian, it, it's not confirmed by the police. It's one on one of the YouTube sites that, uh, a couple picked up Brian on September 1st when he was hitchhiking and gave him a ride uh, to Jackson, Jackson Hole, Wyoming, and that he was um, acting erratically. Uh, he wasn't, uh, and he wasn't with the van. Obviously, he was hitchhiking. But I, I, I was, I was going to play that video, but I, I'm not. I don't think I'm going to play it because it's not, it's not vetted, and I don't know if this information is in fact true. Uh, allegedly, the person uh, that gave him the ride reported this information to the police, and I'm sure the uh, police will be following this up. Um, some of the things that the police should be doing now, some of the evidence obviously should be coming back. They invoiced the van. You know, were there any weapons in that van? Uh, was there any things, a, a journal, anything that was telling the story of their travels? And obviously, we always talk about this in missing person cases, is the cell phone is usually a treasure trove of information. A, a cell phone, as we all know, is a walking, talking GPS device. But that also is dependent upon cell sites. They may have been in areas where cell, cell sites were few and far in between. So it cannot then exactly pinpoint where they are. But... A cell phone is a huge uh, tool in an investigation of a missing person. Of course, Bill. But I just want to back up a little bit on what you just said. Um, regarding that video, and then there's a person that claims that they gave him a ride. Till th This is the way we've been doing our show. We're going to keep our integrity in place. We're not going to play something. There might be other podcasts that they just want to uh, put stuff up and talk about things. We're going to be cautious about that. We'll obviously be on again about this case with any development developments that come forward. And if we can, in fact, vet that video and say 100% that we think it's true, or it, it appears to be that uh, this is a real uh, witness to uh, his movements uh, that given him a ride or something like that, we'll play it then. But go into the cell phone video. 
I mean the cell phone information on the 30th, when that text message was, was sent from Gabby's telephone to her mother, that is very, very, very critical because they're going to look, they can get the cell phone, all the cell phone records. Now, was it turned on right before that text message? So was it turned on then? Was it off? Had it been off for a period of time? Now, we all know a cell phone can only stay charged for an hour, uh, I'm sorry, a day or, or two at the most without being recharged. So they'll look at it. Was it on for a period of time or was it off? And when it got shut off, if it got shut off in the days before, that would be critical to our, you know, maybe possibly being harmed or disappearing. And then it's turned on again on the 30th. Very important because the 30th, was the day before he arrived back in Florida. So if the phone was turned on, a text message was sent, and then it was shut off, that's very important. Now, the cell phone company can give us that information. What was the activity before that text message? What was any and all activity after? And when I mean by activity, if it's just on, it's pinging, and it's showing a location where it was going. Now, if it shuts off in Northport, Florida, that would be very interesting, wouldn't it? If it shut off and was never turned on again. You know, these are the things that law enforcement will be looking into. That cell phone is key. I was so glad that you brought that up, Bill, because that's going to tell us a lot of things. And his cell phone will tell us the same things. Where he traveled, if he had that cell phone on, which a lot of people use cell phones for GPS today, so it's got to be on and it's plugged into the car to keep it powered. So now it's giving a route that he took with his cell phone as well as her cell phone. Now, all throughout their trip, when they left on July 2nd, I'm sure that the cell phones, they both had them and they were both on, were pinging at the same locations because they were together. Now, at some point, Either the cell phones, if she's somewhere in Utah and he's in Florida, cell phones had to be separated if they would still remain on. So those cell phone information is going to give us a ton of information regarding Gabby's history and his history as far as where they were and where they went. Susan Bergman, thank you so much for the $5 super chat. We're going to go to a quick commercial break and we'll be right back. But uh, we're going to be talking more about this investigation where it's going, the possibilities that exist. We're going to hit a, a quick commercial break, and uh, we'll be we'll be right back. Joe Murray, attorney at law, good friend of uh, police off the cuff, was recently diagnosed with COVID, but he's recovering. He's getting stronger by the day. Hope to have him on real so real soon on the show. Uh, have you found yourself in a jam? Are you in need of legal counsel in the New York area? Do you need a victim's advocate? Well, Joe Murray is your man. He's not only an experienced trial attorney, he also has 15 years experience in the NYPD. He's a retired member. He knows both sides of the fence. His website is jmurray-law.com. That's jmurray-law.com. And his telephone number is 646-838-1702. That's 646-838-1702. Or you can e email Joe at Joe at jmurray-law.com. That's Joe at jmurray-law.com. Keep getting well, Joe. Folks, Police Coffee is an officer-owned business dedicated to crafting the finest coffees and blends. Police Coffee provides you with the freshest coffee available. Each batch is roasted fresh by people who know what it means to stay vigilant. And our specialty coffees do not waste one drop when flavor is concerned. Our coffee is some of the best you'll find, but it also helps serve an important cause giving back to our community. 
50% of our profits go towards helping family members of police officers who fell in the line of duty. So order coffee and related products from policecoffee.com. Go to the website. There are over seven types of coffee to choose from, and 50% of the profits go to officers' families in need. For a 10% discount, use code OTC10. That's off the cuff 10. Policecoffee.com. That's where you go to order the coffee. Folks, one of the things someone asked in the chat, and I thought it's a good question, is how could the police seize that van? Uh, and I'll tell you how. First of all, Brian didn't own that van. That van belonged to Gabby. So right away they could take it uh, for that reason. But the keep in mind, they need a search warrant. So they have to go to a judge and say, look, this is why we want to seize this van because the boyfriend is home, his fiance is missing, it's her van, we want to search the van. I think almost any judge in this country would issue a search warrant for that, and that's, a, uh, that's I'm sure, what has occurred regarding that van. I, I'd like to expand on that a little bit, Bill. I think that's a ground ball, and the reason I call it a ground ball is this. There's numerous videos of them together in the van throughout the summer from July 2nd when they left all the way up until around the 25th. Uh, uh, th there was obvious that they were together in that van. Now he goes back to Florida. It's quite suspicious. He carried on his life. She's uh, listed as a missing person on September 11th after there's no contact from her for weeks. And after the family tried to reach him, tried to reach her and tried to reach his family with no response, a missing person's case was uh, generated. And it's an easy one to say, we believe that the van, which belongs to her right off the bat, could yield some evidence regarding her whereabouts. So that's a ground ball for any prosecuted district attorney or law enforcement agency to get a search warrant on that. You know, one of the most important things in a case like this, especially a national case like this, is to use the media to your advantage. The media can both help and hurt you, but in a case like this, they can really, really help you. Because chances are there's people that are out there that have seen Brian in situations when he wasn't with Gabby. And any little tiny bit of information that people can call in can help the police. And that's one of the reasons why the media, this keeping this case out there, keeping this uh, case on the front burner and keeping people apprised of what's going on in this case is so, so important. And I can't stress this enough. The other thing is, is canvassing. And canvassing is just going around the neighborhoods where they were last seen and handing out flyers, just flyers that have a picture on it. And believe it or not, it's, it's old-fashioned police work. But handing out a flyer like that may ring someone's bell in their brain that says, oh, I saw that girl on such and, and, you know, she was arguing with some guy, you know, all of those things can help and they can help people just ring a bell in their brain. And maybe they'll say, I, I saw that person. And, and, and believe it or not, canvases in the area where she was last seen or an area where we, we may have information that uh, she's missing from can, can help tremendously. Listen, I want to applaud the media. The media has done a tremendous, terrific job. I mean, everywhere you see, if you turn on a television, a radio, a, a computer, they're showing a picture. Bill, great point. When you hand out flyers with a picture, it might spark somebody's interest. Generally, people don't like to get involved in things. So maybe they saw something. They didn't call 911. I mean, I see things sometimes. If I see a little minor fender bender and the people are talking, I might not call 911 on something like that. But if I see people are injured, I'll get out and help or I'll call 911. So maybe that picture could be very, very helpful in sparking someone's me uh, memory on something that could have happened weeks ago 
um, months ago even with this case. So it's, it's really starting to drag on. So it's definitely important and pertinent. I just want to talk about one of the comments in the chat. It's uh, Fusim286 says, the problem is that he, meaning Brian, isn't even trying to rule himself out by alibi. I think that's a great point. Come forward. If you got nothing to do with this, if you're innocent, Brian, and I'm talking directly to you, Brian, if you could see this, if you're watching, rule yourself out as a suspect. Tell us what you know. Give us your alibi. Tell us why you parted ways with Gabby. That's a great question that that person put up. You know, Phil, I just want to share the screen again with a, uh, I want to show the body cam video because I think this is uh, such an important uh, video to, that everyone sees, that everyone knows about. And let's just give it a play right Subject here. Subject says hit the curb. Correction speed limit is 15. I'm about three quarters of a mile into the arches just before the gate. You want to place your vehicle in the park and go ahead and turn it off for me? No, park. Oh, it's, it is in yeah. Okay, turn off your engine. Go ahead and set your keys on the dashboard. All right. What's your guys' names? Gabby. I'm Brian. Gabby, Brian. Okay. What's going on? How come you're crying? I'm just crying. We've just been fighting this morning. Some personal issues. It was a long day. We were camping yesterday and camping got the south supplies and stuff. I'm sorry. I'm sorry I hit the, the, the bump there. <laughs> I was distracting him from driving. I'm sorry. Can I get you to step out of the vehicle for me, man? Yeah. Just hang tight right there. Um, do you mind if I take your keys and just put them on your hood? Yeah, buddy. I'm so Thank sorry. You. Oh, no, you're fine. I'm going to go ahead and close your door, okay? Why don't you come over here? SO229, I have the female that was in the past mm -hmm. years keys are on the hood. You want to tell me that's fine? Yeah, I don't know. It's just some days I have really bad OCD. Okay. I just I was just cleaning and straightening up the back of the before and I was apologizing to him and saying, I'm sorry that I'm so mean because sometimes I have OCD and sometimes I just get really frustrated. I'm not like mean towards him. I just like I guess my vibe is like I I'm like in a bad mood. And I was just saying, I'm sorry if I'm in a bad mood. I've just been really stressed. I had so much work. I was doing on my computer this morning. What do you do for a living? Um, well, I, I hate sport getting all organic juice bar, but I just hit my job. Okay. I was a nutritionist. That's, oh, what, okay. that's my that's job. Cool. And I just um, hit my job to travel across the country. And I'm trying to start a blog. And okay. have a so, so I've been building my website. So I've just been really stressed. And, I didn't really believe that I could do any of it. Just kind of been like a, I don't know. He's like down there. I don't know. We've just been fighting all morning, and and he wouldn't let me in the car before. And Why I, wouldn't you let you in the car? Because you have OCD. Told me I needed to calm down. Yeah, <laughs> but I'm perfectly calm. I'm calm all the time, and 
he really stresses me out, and I just, this is a rough morning. Well, why don't we do this? Why don't I sit you down in back seat of my car? You're not in any trouble, okay? <laughs> I'm not going to be putting handcuffs on you. You obviously don't have any weapons. I'm going to get you into the air conditioning, let you take a breath, relax a little bit, and then I'll come back and talk to you in a few minutes, okay? Okay. All righty. Like I said, you're not in any trouble. So just go ahead and take a seat. What's that? Yeah, I just spoke to her. So, you want to do me a favor? Let's go ahead and get you to step out of the vehicle. Alrighty. Come on over here. You're not in any trouble right now. So, tell me what's going on. The shoes gets worked up sometimes, and I try and really distance myself from her. So, like, I, I lock the car and I walk away from her. But what happened this morning is that she's trying to start up like her own little website blog and everything. So, I give her time. And I, we, we really had a nice morning, if anything. And if anything but um, she just got worked up because we were trying to get going and get our day going because we want to go, um, like, arches and stuff like that. Okay. Do you, you want to tell me about those scratches on your face? She had a cell phone in her hand. That's why I was pushing her away. Because I. She, she wanted me, I locked the keys so I could walk away. I, I said, let's just take a breather and let's not you know, go anywhere. Let's just calm down for a minute because she's going to work up. And then she had her phone and was trying to get the keys to her. So that way, I was just trying to, I know I was going to push, but I was just trying to push her away to go, let's, let's just take a minute, step back and breathe. And we see she got me with her phone. Can I see your hand? Oh, you got a mark right here. Oh, that's from a wire. That's from a wire? Yeah. You want to tell me about hitting that curve? Hitting the curve was her grabbing the wheel. She grabbed the wheel? Yeah. She said, I can't believe we're getting pulled over. What about the speed? Did she take over the, did no, take I over the pedal on you? I was going fast. I'm sorry. No, it was probably just the, the moment of like, I'm still shaking now. The adrenaline seen the lights flashing up and then her gripping the wheel. So if I sped up, I'm sorry about that. What if I was speeding beforehand, I'm sorry about that. Yeah, it took quite a bit to catch up to you. So, yeah. I'm sorry about that. We're just going into the, the park again to get water because we have a six gallon water container to fill up. So we're just grabbing water for the hike. Okay. And we were just, I was trying to keep everything calm and quiet because there's plans still to go for a hike, but then she gets, you know, I'm, I'm, you know, sorry about that. Of course, of course. Do me a favor. You want to go ahead and just take a seat right over here on the curb sure. for me? And if I was speeding, I'm sorry. Well, apologies. You don't have anything in my pocket or anything like that, do you? Nope. Just the yeah. wallet? All right. And then, do you mind lifting your shirt so I can check the waistband? I got Turn around for me real quick. Okay. I just, I just no, want I to you. make sure. That's all, man. Go ahead. Do me a favor. Take a seat. All right. All right. Oh, do you have your ID on you? In the car, if you want to come with me, I'll no, we'll just do this. Just go ahead and take a seat. You can come with me, I'll give it to you. Oh, right, you're fine. Uh, what's your first name? Brian. Brian? Is that your spelling? B-R-I-N. L-A-U-N. And then your last name? L-A-U-N. L-A-U-N. D-R-I-E. D-R-I-E? Yep. Laundry? Okay. What's your date of birth, Brian? Can I 
I'll say crisscross applesauce, but can I just sit in the shade because I'm bald? Um, I'll, okay, it's okay. It's okay. I'll give you some shade. <laughs> Sound good? Alright, just hang tight for me. SO229. I need a 29 name and date of birth. I'm Alex Manos. I buy classic cars in any condition. So, Phil, it's, uh, I mean, I, I, one of the things I notice about that car stop is how how nice they are. I was never that nice on a car stop, I'll tell you that much. No, I, <laughs> I, I got to tell you, I got to comment on that. If you look at the whole, if you look at the whole tape in its entirety, they were super professional. Um, I think they handled it perfect. Uh, she started to, at the end, she started to calm down. And there was obviously mutual combatants here. I mean, listen, the fact that they didn't make an arrest in the case, the only one that we thought could have been arrested would have been her for striking him. However, they were mutual combatants. But that's August 12th. Her family knows that she was alive and they believe having conversations and stuff like that all the way to August 25th. So I don't want a Monday, Monday morning quarterback what those police officers did in my eye. They did everything perfect and by the book. I don't think anything that they would have did on that date would have changed the outcome now. I, I, I don't think that they were uh, in a position to make a collar. She didn't want him arrested. Uh, he didn't want her arrested. Uh, everything seemed to calm down. It looked like two kids that became emotional. I mean, there was no serious injuries or anything like that. And I think, I got to tell you, I think they handled it great. I mean, that was textbook police work. Wouldn't you agree, Bill? I mean, what's your... Uh, you know something? It's easy to Monday morning quarterback now that you know that something nefarious looks like it happened. I think they did a pretty good investigative job. They gave her the benefit of the doubt. If, if anyone is going to get arrested... Believe it or not, in my view, it would have been her. Agreed. Uh, but one of the things I didn't like, I didn't like the amount of uh, times he apologized. Oh, oh, I apologize for breathing. Oh, I apologize for hitting the curb. Oh, I apologize. After a while, if I would say, hey, dude, shut up. Just sit down. You know what I mean? Well, you know, like, are you, you kidding you know, me? You know what that was indicative to me? Maybe he had some marijuana or something in the car. It looked like he didn't want it to go any further into a search and stuff like that. I don't know. I could be wrong, uh, but you're right. He was a little bit too apologetic. I agree with that. Phil, I, I always found when, when people uh, apologize too much, they were hiding something. hundred percent. hundred percent. Navy vet, even if there, thank you for the $10 super chat. Even if there was an accident, he could have called for help running home with her vehicle makes him look so guilty. A 100%. That's what we're all concerned about is, look, we watch this tape and we see, or this video, and we see that they both seemed a little bit out of sorts. Um, she admittedly has OCD. Um, you know, he he doesn't seem totally right to me either. Did they both have some type of mental health issues? But, we, you know, now we can all, when we watch these things, we, we all have the uh, benefit of 2020 hindsight, you know, because we're watching this and we know now something nefarious happened and we're all super, super, super critical of seeing. And I, and to tell you the truth, I think the officers did a professional job. As I said, they were so to me, I, I'm not used to, that's not the New York way to be that courteous. I'll just tell you right there. That wasn't my way. 
You know, I, I, I spent a little less time and got. No, no, but uh, I came across more, more authoritarian. I wanted people to know I'm the popo. I'm the police. You know what I yeah. mean? I'm not here to be your friend. What's going on here? You know what I mean? I wasn't. Yeah. I, I know. Look, maybe I, I'm not. That's why I retired ten years ago. But and maybe that's what they teach now. But I felt that my first job was to uh, first protect myself, and second was to find out what occurred. You know, and all that. You know, nicey nicey stuff doesn't necessarily work in an investigation. Even at the point, I didn't play it to the point when he says to her, what was your intent when you pushed him or whatever? And had she said my intent was to hurt him, she would have got arrested. Sure. But she said my my intent wasn't that. I just was trying to stop him from doing something. Yeah, and and he was pretty explicit about how he asked that question. He said, think before you answer me, you know, blah, blah, blah. But if you know what, if you look at both of the, they were obviously both emotional, but he kind of handled it in a way that you would want a person involved in a a dispute with, let's say, your daughter or your wife or whoever. Uh, he said, you know, let's cool out and, 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 you know, we separate. That's why I didn't want to drive or I didn't let him in the car. And he explained, cause apparently when they went to pull him over, you see the, the officer's body cam, he says he hit the curb. So maybe the officer was questioning whether or not he was intoxicated there, but he says, well, you know, she grabbed my arm or whatever it was. And, uh, you know, or she grabbed the steering wheel is what he said. But I think she said somewhere in there, she grabbed his arm to tell him to pull over that the police were behind us. So they were a little excited and emotional. But at the end of the day, when everything seemed to calm down, I don't have a problem with they separated them. Uh, he went to a hotel. She took the car because I believe it was registered in her name. And then at some point, they got back together the next day. And then, the la- like I said, that was August 12th. The last known that they spoke with her that she was alive, the family, was August the 25th. So you're talking about a good two weeks, um, two weeks and a day to be exact, I guess it is. So uh, I don't know how relevant that specific incident is regarding on what we see and what we know uh, regarding her her being, you know, her disappearing. But uh, there's probably a lot of things going on behind the scenes that we don't know about especially when we talked about the van, the FBI did a forensic analysis of the van. They recovered stuff. They don't know if it has evidentiary evidentiary value just yet. That's a tongue twister, but uh, they're examining those things. And I'm sure that if there was something that was nefarious that went on or criminal in the back of that van, that there'll be signs of it and they'll be able to tell us that. Well, you know, uh, Phil, to that fact, Lieutenant Peter Pranzo, uh, former NYPD uh, um, lieutenant, amazing uh, cop, former street crime guy. He says, Utah, Hawaii, or New York City always think safety. Gun and car, maybe. Ask permission permission to search the car. Lieutenant Pete, God bless street crime unit, because that's (laughs) you're always thinking guns. And, you know, could there have been a gun in the car? Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, someone else put in the chat, and, you know, I I like this. L-E-T-H, you guys missed his body language later in the video. He literally puts his hands over his genitals, which is a protective tell. You know, look, I don't know if you're a body language expert, but body language, you know, it's depending on the scenario it's displayed in. It's not, it can't always be, you can't always say that that means this and this means that. And I understand you're probably a professional and can read body language. And that but very much potentially could mean that. And I, I didn't watch the video to that point where I saw that. But I felt that Brian was way, way too 
apologetic. And in my police career, someone that over-apologizes apologizes is usually hiding something. You know what I want to talk about, Lieutenant Pete Pranzo? He made a great, great point about there possibly being a weapon or a firearm in the car. But if you watch the video, when he asked him for his license, he says, my wallet's in the car. He said, never mind, just sit down. And he took his name, wait there. He didn't want him having access back to the van. There was two other officers there that I'm sure would have kept him at that location. That was the safety part of it. We don't know if they ever asked to search the van. They may or may not have. I don't know if they did. But I think that they were safety conscious about it by the fact that when he said I could go get my uh, I can go get my wallet out of the van and he said nope stay right there uh, he just took it from him he went over the radio to uh, ask for a license check or to see if he had warrants or whatever whatever based on the name that he had given him and he he kept him in place away from the van he went to talk to her he had her in the back of the police car so both neither one of them had access to that vehicle that was a great uh, safety maneuver with regard to the offices. I mean, that was tactically the correct way to do it. But, you know, but Phil, something he know. did something wrong though early in the in the stop. And if we're going to if we're going to critique his um his tactics, he pulled her out of the car, but he left him in the car with the keys. Yes. So that that was not good. Well, he and took the keys and put them on the window. I would have put them in my pocket and held on. I would exactly. I would have no, too because you're giving no, him nobody, access. Nobody's driving away with that car if they're in my pocket unless they kill me and take them. You know, so that's that's what I would have done. But I'm not going to critique that. Maybe that's a maybe that's some kind of a thing that they do. It could be related to the latest, uh, you know, uh, the fund the police thing or something like that. I don't know what what happened there, but uh, you know, there was one of the comments that I noticed and. I talked about the protest earlier. Now, Mark Zelensky says, by the way, the cops denied the protest in front of the house. Why not? I, I, I don't know that that's a fact, but if they denied it in front of the house, I'd go on the corner where traffic was going and I'd do it there. You can get close enough to him to protest and put pressure on him. There's other ways to do it. Maybe you needed a permit or something. That might be why they denied it. I just wanted to clear that up. You know, Pucks uh, asked, thanks for the $2 super chat. You, She asked, how do you know something nefarious happened? We're, we're predicting something nefarious happened based on his uh, conduct of returning home without his fiance with her van and then lawyering up. You know, you, you add, you, you connect the dots and, you know, something, apparently something bad happened. And, you know, I don't think you have to be a genius to, to see that. And I'm not criticizing you but you know he returns and he and then she's not reported missing for 10 days his family's not answering her family's text so something is they're hiding something okay i want to just expand on that a little bit if i mean i appreciate the comment if um she's somewhere and, and she's hiding out or she'd have to be living under a rock not to see there's her father and stepmother and her mother and stepfather is two sets of parents that have been on the news wall to wall the last couple of days, pouring their hearts out. If she was able to see that, and she, like I said, she have to be living under a rock not to have seen it between social media, television, radio, whatever. And, and she didn't contact the family. I think that's very highly unlikely. It sounds like either she's 
you know, something uh, uh, bad happened to her or she's being kept against her will and she's not able to make contact. So that's where we jump to that, that we think something nefarious happened. I mean, listen, it's not that much of a stretch. I'm sure. Look at that news reporter that you played the clip earlier. She wants to put her hands around the throat of Brian and shake him till he tells her what's going on. That's the sediment throughout the country right now because we have some basic details. She was with him for a, a couple of months on this trip. And now all of a sudden he goes back home to Florida. She's nowhere to be found, no contact. And he carries on his life with her vehicle. So I think that it's uh it's a great comment, but I think we answered it just now. You know, folks, if you uh, like this channel, police off the cuff, please subscribe to us. Just go on our YouTube. It's a subscribe button. Give us a thumbs up and uh, ring that bell. Um, we're covering this case. We're trying to give the best police perspective that we know of. And of, we understand that these cases are never easy. We don't like to criticize police agencies. And as I said, we thought that their car stop was quite professional. Uh, they were much nicer than I would ever be on a car stop. That's for sure. Uh, Paolo, uh, while this chat is moving so fast, I was just going to say, uh, Paolo Ganti, don't you think he had the typical psychological abuser profile that looks like this discreet, kind, and respectful guy to everyone, but turned into something else behind doors? Have you seen how she couldn't stop crying the whole time and he was super relaxed and smiling all along, not caring at all about her well-being, not a second? You know, pa uh, Paolo, I, I hope I'm pronouncing your name correctly. Pa is it Paolo Polo? Anyway, I'm not – I mean, it's – yeah, I mean, they, but they, they've been in a van for a month, traveling around, very small quarters. Most human beings can get on each other's nerves when they're living in such a confined space. Did they both have uh, mental health issues? Uh, you know, there's a possibility of that. I mean, I can't – I mean, I'm not a psychologist. I don't know if I'm qualified to answer that, but uh, what are your feelings, Phil, on that? I mean, listen, it, it looks like that she had maybe uh, some emotional issues, but uh, from looking at those videos, I don't think that there was anything that would cause the police to want to have her have a mental health evaluate, uh, evaluation or him either. I don't think there was any need for that at that point. Um, they, they seem to be in an emotional, uh, mutual combatant situation. And couples get into arguments sometimes. It should never, ever, ever escalate to where it's violent, where people put their hands on one another. However, it did it in a minor way at that point. And I, I think once the police interacted with them and they answered all the questions, they were both very compliant. They separated them. I don't think there was any need for... Um, you know, uh, mental health uh, evaluations at that point. I mean, I don't know what the history is. Like you said, Bill, we really don't know. It's hard to say just from those short, uh, brief videos, whether or not they uh, were suffering from, uh, you know, some mental illness or something like that. I think the family would know better, both families. Maybe there was, but maybe they were going on this trip to clear their heads. They had some issues going on. But either way, uh, again, I'm not going to knock uh, what those police officers did. I think they did a great job. And I don't think that uh, initially from reading one of the reports a couple of days ago on Duty Run Show, I did say based on the report that I read that maybe there should have been uh, EMS interdicting into the situation to make a call. You know, they were a medical person that can make a call on whether or not they believe this person 
or either one of them need a uh, mental health evaluation. But I think from, from viewing it now, I don't think that that was actually uh, necessary. I mean, it, it could have been enlisted. They could have asked EMS to respond and, and uh, you know, talk to them. Maybe by that time, she would have been much more calm, not crying, would have been uh, able to have a conversation without being frantic. And uh, so I think that they did the right thing on that. I don't know. Again, to comment on their mental health, I'm really not qualified on that. It did appear that uh, they were both emotional and excited, but uh, her more than him. But uh, I don't think it was a way of uh, really saying one way or the other if they had mental health issues from what we see on those videos. Isundo, thanks for the $5 super chat. Brian was picked up hitchhiking on August 29th. Looks legitimate. I, you know, I, I can't vet it because I just don't know if it is in, if it's a fact. Someone did post a video of that, and uh, I did mention it before. Maybe I, I may have had the date wrong, uh, August 29th. I thought that the woman in the video said September 1st, but that may not jive. But one of the things, uh, and thank you very much for your comment there. One of the things I want to mention to everyone is that the police don't need to have Gabby's cell phone to do a workup on it. They just need her cell phone number right? and who, who her carrier is. So they don't need physical possession of her phone. He could have thrown it out the window. As long as they have the cell phone number, they can do a search warrant on the phone and they can request caller ID, text messages, and cell sites. And that will give them uh, a treasure trove of information. And, you know, even to the fact that the mom of Gabby Petito said that she didn't feel that the text message she received, I believe it was on the 30th, was from Gabby. So yeah, yeah, that's correct. On the 30th, Bill. She 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 said it was a very short text message. Uh, no service here in in uh, in a park in uh, a huge park in uh, California, I believe it was. Um, and uh, she didn't believe it was from him. So it, it, it appears it appears that she wasn't in control of that cell phone from that date. From the 30th. And then he arrives back home in Florida on the 1st. So he couldn't have drove from California to Florida in one day. So that's why everything uh, is very suspicious at that point. So I think, uh, you know, the, the, the cell phone information I think is going to lead probably in the next couple of days. And if it does happen, we're going to jump right on it and we'll, we'll do another show about it is going to lead to areas that they may say need to be searched. Now, what I mean by that is this, if both phones show up for eight hours in one location at a park or some area on, on the route that they took, I think that that might be very, very important to the investigation. Let's say if they believe she was alive up until the 25th and communicating with a family. That's what I have as far as my notes. So anything from the 25th to the 1st, they're going to be looking at. Now, if the cell phones were at, let's say, on the 26th or the 27th at some park in between where they last were in, in uh, on their travels and Florida, they're going to probably – uh, you know, start a search in that area. So if it's a park or a public location, uh, then it might be very, very important to get EquiSearch involved in the search. And uh, I think those things are going to be happening in the next couple of days because of the uh, the posture of law enforcement based on a, a, a press conference I saw earlier this afternoon where they said in the last 24 hours, like I said, it was the uh, Northport Police uh, Public Information Officer said we, we've uh, move forward with a lot of uh, important facts in the last 24 hours. So maybe the cell phone information is coming in and they can have a more uh, directed search. Cause that's, I mean, in between California and Florida is, is thousands and thousands of miles. And so I guess they need, they need some areas to direct uh, for searches. 
Chick Eastwood, a good question. Why wait till September 11th to file the report if he returned on September 1st? Because obviously he did not report her missing, nor right. did his nor did his parents. Her family, when they were getting no um, um, no communication from Brian and his family, they reported her missing. That's why there was a 10-day lag in reporting, which also, by the way, this is why this is a good question, hurts the investigation. Because now you're 10 days behind the eight ball in searching for Gabby. And that definitely does hurt the investigation. Of course. And and what happened was the family was staying in touch with her for different periods and text messages. And I'm not sure of the exact time before the 11th that they were contacting her and him, but there was contact with messages, no response to her. Contact with messages, no response from him. Then they went so far as to contact her family, both her father and stepmother and her mother and stepfather. No, uh, uh, I'm sorry, that that's who reported her missing. Uh, uh, Brian's family, when they had uh, messages to Brian's family, they got no response over a couple of days, I think it was. That's when they started to panic and said, we have to report her missing. And that's when the whole ball got rolling. Again, Bill making a great point. 10 days after he returns to Florida, uh, it really... You know, it, it puts a leg in the investigation uh, for the missing persons case. And, uh, you know, anything could have happened in those 10 days. So uh, they're on it now. The media is involved. Uh, I think there's a lot of push. One of the uh, comments that I wanted to uh, look at, uh, there was a woman in Florida, uh, something Lisa Lisa. She says, I'm in Florida. What can I do? Uh, if you live in Florida, I don't know what part, if you're near North Park, Maybe social media, you know, uh, throw up a picture of her, but circulated, she's missing. And if you're close enough to Northport to generate a protest, get a hold of other people and see if you can do it legally. I don't want anybody to, you know, do anything illegal. But if you're in Florida and you want to help, do those things. Get on social media, circulate her picture that she's missing. Uh, we, we read out the phone number. We'll read it out again at the end of the show. Uh, and if you're near Northport and you can gather some friends and join in on a protest but in anywhere near Brian's home to uh, get him to cooperate, do that. Those are things that would be positive. Tink uh, Pixie, do you know why they think that there's a connection between uh, the murder of the married couple in this case? I think just because of proximity that they were in the same area at the same time. That's as far as I know, not knowing any further information. That's the only reason that they're looking at this, which, you know, makes sense to look at it, of course, because now we have Gabby missing and we have Brian acting uh, erratically, at least in regards to uh, lawyering, lawyering up when his fiance is missing and the fact that he was in the same location. And I guarantee you that the police know a hell of a lot more about what occurred than we know. So uh, it makes sense to look to look into this, to dig a little deeper into this. You know, Bill, I want to expand a little bit on that. Um, like you said, it was the proximity. It was close to where they were stopped on August the 12th. And then the murder occurred August 18th or the bodies were found August 18th. So for the police to say we're now looking into it, that there possibly could be a connection. Maybe there wasn't a lot of leads. They were kind of stumped on that double homicide. 
And there may be something that we're not seeing or we don't know. We don't have access to the case folder. We don't have privilege to all the information that's on the uh, current investigation. There may be a reason that they put that out there. Maybe there is some type of a connection and they're not uh, saying it just yet. We don't know what that crime scene looked like, what evidence was recovered. So there, there could be something with that. I, I would say that you know, there's got to be a reason why they put it together and they went public with it. They could have been doing that behind the scenes without making it public. I think that they want to get as much information out there as they can, maybe for both cases, the missing case and the double homicide, to see if there's people that might come forward with information. I don't know if I was on the double homicide and it was really hitting a, a brick wall that there was no uh, leads coming forward. And then this thing happened. I would definitely want to look at both. I don't know if I would go public with it, though. Maybe that was... Uh, done intentionally. Maybe it wasn't, but uh, I think it's worth uh, taking a look at because of the close proximity. It's only a few days difference, about six days difference between the August 12th incident where they had this uh, dispute and, and the police were involved and then the uh, double homicide, which I guess the bodies were found on the 18th. So it uh, could be a connection, may or may not be involved. Lily Rose, thank you so much for the $10 super sticker. It's very appreciated. Folks, you know, let's put, let's put a heart in this in the chat with where you're from under it because we love to uh see where all our uh subscribers all the uh supporters of police off the cuff real crime stories are from but let's put a heart that uh that we find gabby and we find gabby alive absolutely uh, that, would, that would be the most uh the best outcome we could ever look for in, in this situation but you know the police are not going to give up on this they got the fbi let's hope that all police agencies that are involved on working on this case of communicating and sharing information that is so important in a large investigation like this. Uh, we're going to stay with this case when there's new information. We won't put out information that is unvetted. Like I didn't want to play that video of the people that allegedly picked them. And maybe that's true. Maybe it's true, but I haven't been able to vet it. It didn't come out of the mouth of the police so I didn't want to put it out there just in case. It's Bill, I just true. want to make one comment about that. Sally Messenger says, what about the girl who came out providing info to the FBI, how her and her boyfriend gave Brian a ride on the 28th? He was hitchhiking. That's the, the, the video that you're referring to. That's we what I'm talking about, yeah. Yeah, we don't know for certain, although there's a lot of people bringing that up in the chat. We'll definitely look into it if we think it's uh, worthwhile talking about or if, or if it's confirmed by law enforcement that he, in fact, did, uh, you know, uh, pick up a hitchhiker that we think it's him. And that, again, that's another thing that Brian needs to answer. That's why his cooperation is imperative to this investigation. He can turn around and say, no, it wasn't me or it was me. Gives him an alibi wherever he was. And maybe he can clear himself for this, but he needs to cooperate. And uh, again, you know, it looks like there's a lot being said on social media about that hitchhiking incident, 28, 29. So we're going to look into it and we'll report back on it. LM from Las Vegas, Valley Stream, New York, a Long Islander. Uh, some of you folks telling us where you're from. That's great. Uh, fine Gabby from North Carolina, Spice and, Spice and Sens. Yeah, Fine Gabby, definitely from North Carolina. Great, the great state of North Carolina. Uh, Nova Scotia, Canada. Great to see you, carpet beggar. I love that. Uh, Mindful Blessings, Fort Wayne, Indiana. Um, Kyle, Windsor, Ontario, Canada, find Gabby. Uh, let's see. We looking at some of the other people. From, I see New oh, Zealand. Watching New Zealand, New Sp Zealand. Space Coast, David T from Space Coast, Florida. 
Jojo Peanut, Johnson City, Tennessee. Uh, Diamond Dregs, Three Hearts. Uh, Connecticut, Mr. Coliseum Instagram from Connecticut. New England, honey, New England, honey, watching from New Zealand. I thought that was a, a, a stone's throw, wouldn't you say? Wow. Kitchy from Michigan. We, we got him from all over the world. Brian Scarbati from Chicago. Great to see you. Uh, who else? We got ju justice for Gabby. Absolutely. Uh, press conference by police in a few hours. Teton police. That's great. Patty Shea from Boston. Uh, folks from all over the world here and uh, Margaritas, California. Uh, folks, we're so happy that you're here supporting Police Off the Cuff, Real Crime Stories. And uh, if you're not subscribed to us, please go on our YouTube, hit the subscribe button, give us a thumbs up, ring that bell. Uh, Phil, I think that we've Salt Lake City, Louisiana's praying for Gabby. My God, you guys all from all over the world. I'm, I'm seeing I'm seeing Charmaine N from the Netherlands and Watermelon Splash from the Netherlands. We have our friend Gisela has our own podcast that we both did from the Netherlands. And thank you for tuning into our show. And and listen, everybody, I believe in the power of prayer. A little prayer for Gabby and her family. If you don't believe in God, just positive thoughts for her. And yeah, uh, put put the put the prayer emojis in the chat, folks. If we're all praying for Gabby, which I'm we seeing are. a lot of them, Bill. I'm seeing you know, a lot. That, of them. that that's great. Uh, Virginia, Patrick Larry from Virginia, Dade City, Florida, Becca Manelli from Long Island, Chi-Chi's, Sudbury, Ontario, Andrew Santana, North Carolina, Gloria Belvin from Athens, Georgia, Mystique from Ontario, Williams Lake, Canada, my God, welcome from Colorado. You guys are from all over the world. Folks, Just let, I just want you to know that Police Off the Cuff, Real Crime Stories, we're going to stay on this case. We appreciate your support. When we get new information, we'll go live. We may even go live sometime over the weekend. But, uh, Phil, you got any last words? Last words. I'm going to read the number again for the Gabby Petito hotline. 800-225-5324. 800-225-5324. As well as 1-800-CALL-FBI. That's 1-800-CALL-FBI. Anybody within the sound of our voices, if you have pertinent information, please call it in. Uh, prayers for Gabby and her family. I can't even imagine what those people must be going through. Brian, man up, cooperate with the investigation. Brian's family, push him, get him to cooperate. This is a matter of uh, a, a horrible situation for this family. And uh, this young Gabby, we, we hope that she's still alive. We hope that she's uh, found safe and sound. But the family needs to know where she is. She needs to be brought home to her family. And uh, again, uh, stay with us. Uh, we appreciate all the people from overseas and all the people within the United States uh, tuning in. Thank you so much, all the sub subscribers and the viewers. And uh, that's it for now. Folks, on behalf of uh, myself, Bill Cannon, and Phil Grimaldi of Police Off the Cuff Real Crime Stories, thank you for watching and have a good night. Stay safe, everybody.